So today's guest, uh, Nick Carparelli. And, and Nick, listen, you've been involved in college football. You've, man, you, I, let, me go, let me say this. I'm reading your resume and had no idea that you, you work with Bill Belichick for, for a number of years. Give us, we're going to go back, Nick. I, you know, I know we, we talk about the journey on the show. I want to go back to your childhood and then come through your, your life as far as your professional life. But I want to start with your childhood. Where were you born and how, and how did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Cheshire, Connecticut. You know, my, uh, I was a son of a family of teachers. My dad was my high school basketball coach, was, which was, uh, of all my experiences, might have been the most uh, unique and challenging in some ways. But, um, you know, he, my, my dad was, uh, prior to coaching at the high school, he was an elementary phys ed teacher with Paul Pasqualoni, mm. who went on to become uh, head yeah. coach at Syracuse, was uh, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys for oh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was, you know, we all kind of have a break or a turning point that, that kind of points us in the, in the direction we're supposed to be going. And, you know, knowing him, once I graduated from uh, college, I have a mechanical engineering degree as an undergrad. Don't, don't use that too much uh, in my professional life. Uh, I was a Division three basketball player, so obviously wasn't very good. But uh, Coach Pascaloni gave me a chance as a graduate assistant up at Syracuse. I was uh, working recruiting. I you know, I was there when uh, Marvin Graves was playing, Cadre Smell, Shelby Hill. We were we yeah. had a pretty good team. We beat Colorado in the Fiesta Bowl. You know, this this generation doesn't know Syracuse to be that that good, but uh, we knew Syracuse was being a good a, a basketball powerhouse. We knew that much. Yeah, well, that's 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 what people think of first when they think of Syracuse. <laughs> but we're, uh, you know, we had a good run there, and I was there when we recruited Donovan McNabb, and yeah. we had uh, you know Rob Conrad. Uh, uh, Kevin Abrams, Marvin Harrison. So we had, we had a few good yeah. guys to buck oh, yeah. a few. Dwight Freeney was there, wasn't he? Yes. Yep. And I yeah. just skipped right over him. Yeah. So yeah. We, we had it going Great. pretty good for a while. I, we need to get it back up there. But So that was kind of my, my break. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, not, not to bore you, uh, but, you know, I was at uh, Notre Dame working for Bob Davies, part of that, that whole, you know, tradition and experience, which was pretty cool. And then, Coach Belichick hired me. I drove from South Bend down to Indianapolis to the Combine to interview with him. And that was kind of, uh, you know, he wasn't the Bill Belichick we know today just yet. He had just finished yeah, well, his first year. Let's go there. Let's well, pause there. Let, well, first of all, how did you get the interview? Yeah. Well, tell us that story. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's kind of – that story is probably the story of my career and maybe maybe the story of a, of a lot of people who, who have good fortune. You know, I – you know – you know, in this business, you know, uh, networking is important. One thing leads to another. You do a really good job at one place, and then you you have an opportunity at the next. So Coach Belichick needed a uh, director of uh, football operations. He hired uh, a guy that I worked with at Syracuse. His name was Mike Vollmer. Uh, Mike uh, went on to work at Michigan State for Nick Saban, worked at Alabama, and he hired uh, – uh, he interviewed um, with Bill, and Bill offered him the job. But at the time, he was – he was in Michigan. His family was from there. So he turned it down. And Bill said, you know, well, do, do you know anybody kind of like you um, that that you think would be a good fit? And Mike gave him my name and and uh, it worked out pretty good. So uh, good fortune, doing a good job where you're at and, and getting a reputation and being able to get the job done, I guess, is the formula. But yeah. As you're driving down there, though, what's what's going through your head when you're thinking, I'm about to go meet with Bill Belichick? Yeah. Well, like I said, he had uh, – that was after his first year at New England. So he was 5-11 and 11 that first year. <laughs> he wasn't real eligible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and, and you think back then, it's hard to remember exactly what my opinion was of him prior to meeting him. But, you know, I think he kind of had that same, that same appearance, that same M.O., you know, except he didn't have the championship rings to go with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was, uh, I was looking forward to it. I was open-minded. I, it wasn't a no-brainer that I would take the job. I mean, Notre Dame was a pretty good place. Yeah, much to speak of just yet. Um, but it was just a, a great opportunity. And I'm, I'm from Connecticut, as I said. So being back in New England uh, uh, helped. And uh, I guess I was I, when he offered me the job, I guess I was smart enough to take it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So so you're you go with Bill Belichick, who notoriously is disciplined uh, and he has like some quirks. And um, what, what what do you think that you learned by working for him? Um, at that time, what do you think you learned most? Yeah, I learned, I learned so many things from him, you know, and, and I guess quirks is, a, is one way of putting it. Um, he's, you know, he's, um, he's extremely disciplined and he expects that of the people that, that work for him. You know, he's very clear about what he wants. I mean, from that 
standpoint, the job wasn't very hard. I mean, it was, there was no guesswork. You know, I, yeah. everybody knew their role, knew what they wanted them to do. I think, you know, guys who get in trouble with him are guys that kind of, you know, deviate and go off on their own plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I learned, uh, you know, discipline, having, having a great plan. I learned uh, uh, flexibility, believe it or not. I think most people would expect that he's very inflexible, but he, I saw him treat, treat uh, guys differently from one another. He had a great knack of knowing, uh, and you guys would appreciate this, knowing what different guys needed uh, at different points in their career in order to be successful on the field. Uh, he was very aware of the fact that, that off the field issues, whether it's family uh, or whatnot is, is, you know, like or not is going to affect on field performance. So he, you know, best example is we had a guy, um, Anthony Pleasant, uh, AP was, is, was the best, just a very, very stoic, stone-faced, intimidating dude. Uh, but he and I got along really well. And he was at the tail end of his career. He brought him in uh, to be uh, Richard Seymour's mentor on the field coach. Uh, ended, up, ended up playing a fair amount as well. But, um, you know, Anthony was not real hip on that idea. He was set to retire. His body was breaking down a little bit. And he, uh, he's from Charlotte or somewhere, somewhere in North Carolina. And he told coach, he goes, I'll do it. But when game's over Sunday, I need to go home. And I don't want to come back till Wednesday morning. Hmm. When you have me from Wednesday to Sunday, I, you're going to have everything I have. You're going to have my undivided attention. I'm going to be everything you want me to be. And, and Bill said, that's fine. You know, now I'm not going to let a rookie do that. But, and he got everything he wanted out of, out of uh, Anthony. Um, but, you know, I think most people would be kind of surprised that he would be uh, allow anybody to kind of be on that. Career. Yeah, that, that, that is amazing because you wouldn't think that of Bill Belichick. And, I've, you know, listen, I, I coached with Bill's mentor. Uh, I played for Bill's mentor, which was Bill Parcells. Yep. And very similar in the way of thinking. He'd always tell you, hey, I'm not going to treat everyone the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a rookie coming in. You're a seventh-round pick. You, you're, be late if you want to. Uh, and you'll find yourself on the street. Now, first round pick, hey, you, got some, you may have some leeway. Uh, so that, I, I, I definitely see that. But I want to go back a little bit because you come from, your father was a coach, correct? You yep. come from that background. So you've had to have some discipline in your life as you grew up. You know, what, how did you apply that? Not only because evidently you're a great student. How did you apply that not only on the, on the sports, but in academics as well? Well, I you know, as I get older, you know, you kind of think about what are, what are some of the most important qualities to be successful. And I, I would put discipline, you know, right at or near the top. You know, I, you know, it seems like people, you know, this generation lacks discipline. I'm sounding old now. I know. No, hey, we're with you. We say that all the time. So, <laughs> but, but, it, but it's true though. And, and it's, it's not about being, being old or young or whatever. It's just having, you know, having a little structure and having a plan to each day, right? You don't have to set the world on fire every day, but just, you know, wake up knowing what you're going to do, what you want to accomplish. You know, I mean, big things are accomplished in small steps. So if you can get a little bit done each day towards your goal or, you know, whatever, whatever you're trying to do at, you know, eventually you're going to get it done. But if you wake up with no plan, um, you know, you're never going to get there. Uh, I love that. So you go on from New England uh, and now you're the senior associate commissioner for the Big East. What was that transition like going from the NFL back to the college ranks? I mean, yeah, was, so it, was you um, weren't there long, obviously, but... But what was it? Okay, get a Super Bowl ring. So that was that. Was, <laughs> hey, long enough. Anyone that's hey, in New England has a 12, dang Super Bowl hey, ring. Twelve months in New England with Belichick was enough. <laughs> I had there were people, equipment managers, video guys that had been with the Patriots forever, and they were god awful for years. They were kind of a joke, and mm. and they finally got a ring, and they but they used to they would bust my chop. You're here for one year, and you get a ring. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I was the solution, but you know, I'm just saying, what's the common denominator to success? It's me. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, um, you know, well, the big East was interesting. Mike, Mike Trangizi, uh, was a, you know, hall of fame commissioner. He, um, he, he was my boss there. He, he called me the Wednesday after the Super Bowl. So we get back, we have the parade on Tuesday, he calls me on Wednesday, tells me about the position, tells me, you know, he thinks I'd be a perfect fit, but he was waiting for the, for us to lose in the playoffs to call me, but we kept winning. So he had to keep waiting. And I said, well, I take that as a good sign that you waited. So, um, you know, what, what was the hardest part about that was talking to Coach Belichick about it because, you know, he had, uh, he had brought me in and we, we obviously had a great year. And, you know, he liked me, which was, which was pretty cool. It's not always the case. And, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I liked working for him. So I went into his office and I was kind of scared, to be honest with you. I said, Coach, I got I to gotta tell you something. Um, you know, I got, got a call about this opportunity. If you tell me that I can't take it after only being here a year and finally, you know, things are kind of humming, you know, I'm not going to go. You know, and this is another kind of insight into him. He was unbelievable with that. He's, he, he asked me a lot of questions about it. He said, well, what's the job? What are you going to be doing? How much do they pay you? Um, basically, by the end, he told me, he said, you, you have to take it. He said, I knew I wouldn't have you long. Your last name is not Kraft, so there's only so much I'm going to be able to do for you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just help me with the transition. And now the Big East office was in Providence. So it was about 20 minutes from Foxborough. So yeah. I helped him hire the next guy. And, and so, you know, we have a good relationship to this day. But the Big East job was interesting because that was kind of my transition really into the, you know, the primarily an administrative side of things, right? Mm-hmm. When you're working yeah. on campus and recruiting at Syracuse and Notre Dame, you're, you're with it. You're part of the team. Same thing with the Patriots. I was in the team meetings and I traveled. You know, I, I wasn't sure I wanted to lose that because, uh, as you guys know, there's a definite That's you know, a transition. Front a front office versus coaching yeah, staff. Yeah. They kind of look at each other out of the side of their eye a little bit. And I always kind of fancied myself to be, a, you know, a team guy, a coach guy more mm-hmm. than a front office guy. But. I guess you kind of have to make that transition at some point if you're not actually a coach. So, mm-hmm. so it was a great experience. I grew up a Big East fan, so working there was was awesome. And we were we were rolling both in football and basketball. You know, basketball was always yeah. good. You know, football we went through a stretch there where we didn't get a lot of respect, but we had, you know, West Virginia was was beating Oklahoma and Georgia in bowl games, and Louisville, you know, you know, surfaced and. You know, even teams like Rutgers, you know, got jumped hey, in. Rutgers the top that. Yeah, had a couple of good years. Yeah, the Ray Rice. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun time to be there. Yeah, so, okay, so go through that then. I mean, I know you said that you made the transition there. You know, I, I want to get to to get to better understand your mentality because you, you did. You, you went from the coaching side, player side, basically, to the coaching side, and then over to the administration side of things. You know, one of the problems that, you know, Tyler and I always speak to is transitioning. Mm-hmm. So making the transition out of football into the workplace. Now you're you're in the administration side of things. It's totally different. Totally different. Totally. I mean, so give us an approach on how. how what was your approach on a day to day basis? Because this is totally different from where you where you're from. Yeah. Well, I you know I think I was you know I think my time at the Big East uh, was great, and I think the reason I was successful there was because of where I came from. You know, my my position was to run Big East football. Um, and, you know, sitting in the uh, conference meetings with the head football coaches in that league. At the time when I took over, Larry Coker had just won a national championship in Miami, and uh, Frank Beamer was in the room, and Coach Pasqualoni, who was my mentor, and now he, I'm sitting at the head of the table, and he's sitting there. And Rich Rodriguez was there, and Greg Schiano, and so it was, it was a little bit of an intimidating room, but I think the reason I, I got by okay is because they, they – they, they knew my background. They knew what I was all about. I wasn't just a suit sitting at the end of the table telling them, you know, what our policies were going to be and what, what their schedule was going to be without any input from them. So I think I was successful in, in promoting to them the fact that I was, I was their representative mm-hmm. you know, in the meetings, in the athletic director meetings, in the conference meetings, I was representing the head football coaches. So I, I think that, that, you know, I earned a, a certain level of respect from them. It allowed me to, to be successful in the job. Well, so, so we'll, go ahead. I was going to say, describe the responsibilities mm-hmm. of a uh, commissioner or associate commissioner in a conference, right? It, because, okay, you have these conferences, and I don't think people recognize how much work it takes to organize all these schools, how to, mm-hmm. how to regulate, how to monitor, how to – uh, celebrate, deal with everything, right? Yeah. So talk yeah. about the roles and responsibilities that, that you had in that position. Yeah, it's, it's a challenging job because we work for the membership. So the Big East was particularly challenging because we had 16 members. Uh, eight of them did not play football. You had the, mm. the, the uh, Georgetowns and Villanovas and St. John's and Providence Colleges of the world. Um, and then you had, you know, the schools that did play football. So you, you had schools that were very, very different. I mean, Georgetown on one side and West Virginia on the other. Yeah. Different institutions. You know, everything was different about it. So a big part of the job, you know, you know, aside from the specific tasks, was, was building consensus amongst the group. You had to have buy-in from the majority of people that what we were going to do is, was, was, was in the best interest of each of them individually as well as the group. And sometimes there were issues that weren't 
good for Georgetown and West Virginia. They were very different. But, um, you know, that aside, you know, our, our role was to, was to run the league, put a, put a regular season schedule together, uh, conduct championships at the end of the year, not just for football and basketball, but for soccer, soccer field hockey, volleyball, mm-hmm. uh, baseball, you name it. Um, you know, those were typically neutral site events at some great destination. So that, that took a lot of, a lot of work. I did, uh, personally, I did all of our bowl deals. So at the end of the season, when teams are slotted into bowl games, um, you know, those are pre-negotiated. I worked on our television contract and then you work with, with, uh, in our case with the SPN, uh, deciding which games go on, which, you know, and I talked about that year that West Virginia, Louisville and, and Rutgers were all in the top 10. We, we made a decision, um, at the beginning of the year to put our best games on Thursday night because the Big East was lacking respect. So yeah. it's like, you know what? Our games are going to get lost on Saturday. You know, we need to showcase ourselves. And it was a little bit of a risk because we, you know, if we weren't very good, we would have showcased that as well. Right. But That's right. That's as right. As it turned out that year, this was in 2006, West Virginia went to Louisville. West Virginia was third in the country. Louisville was fifth on a Thursday night. Louisville wins that following Thursday, seven days later, Louisville goes to Rutgers. Rutgers is eight and zero for the first time. And, and, uh, you know, unbelievable atmosphere there and Rutgers beat wins that game. And at the time those were, that was the first and third highest rated college football games in the history of wow. ESPN. Wow. Is that specifically? Cause they were, I mean, I, I know there are big games, but I mean, is that, what was the thought process of doing the games on Thursdays? Cause it couldn't have been an easy process for, uh, for coaches. That's a Fresno state model right there. Yeah. Well, you got <laughs> anywhere we could get time Friday night, on, Wednesday night, Tuesday morning. We don't play on Tuesday. <laughs> you, you guys hit it on the head. That, that, that was, I, I'm not saying we referenced that particular school as, right. as the model, but you know, we, we were, a, we were one of six BCS conferences and our coach were like, you know, you know, what are we doing? Um, you know, I was able to point to a specific game the year before. West Virginia beat Louisville in three overtimes the previous season on Saturday. It was it was an unbelievable game. But it happened to be on a weekend where I'm making this up, but it was like Texas, Oklahoma, it was you know, Florida, Georgia. It was just one of those great I swallowed up, yep. And it, and nobody saw it. And our coach is like, you know, we're pretty good. You know, we need to tell people about it. I said, well, the only way we're going to tell people about it is if the only way they're going to know about it is if they see it. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I, would like to say we were, there's a lot of good games on Thursday nights these days. And I I like to think that we, we kind of paved the way. Pioneered uh, that. Yeah. I mean, I, man, kudos to you because I, I don't know how many coaches that I've dealt with in the past and, you know, coaches are creatures of habit. They want to travel on Friday, Mm -hmm. play their game Saturday, do that. And for you to convince them, yeah. yeah, not hear their players bitch about coming into the facility on <laughs> yeah. on Sunday to start for film study and then practice on Monday. A and, short uh, week? What? Playing on Thursday? <laughs> what? You're putting pads on me on Monday and the game's on that's, – that's like a Thursday full padded practice. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were trade-offs. You know, I, I – you know, I did the entire regular season schedule for the whole year, so I had a little control over the date so that – you know, that big West Virginia Louisville game because of what you just said. And because mm-hmm. it was such an important game, I gave both teams a bye that Saturday. So they mm-hmm. actually both had a week and a half to get ready for that. Yeah. How did you, how did you foresee that though? So far, right? You knew that they're going to be good programs, but, but eight weeks into the season, you couldn't have known that they would have been ranked where they were and kept the records that they did. Well, I, I'd be lying if I said, I knew they were, you know, all going to be undefeated in the top <laughs> 10. <to do> that. <laughs> But obviously, you, you try to predict, you know, a little bit. You know, I think Louisville and West Virginia was somewhat easy. You know, they, um, uh, Brian Brome was the quarterback of Louisville, and he was a Heisman yeah. candidate, and Ray Rice was at Rutgers. And uh, I, I, had a, I had a hunch that Rutgers was going to kind of finally break through. They, they made the bowl game the year before. You know, and now that West Virginia team was uh, uh, Steve Slayton. And, oh, yeah. And the quarterback. So, you know. Had to had to predict a little bit, you know. I don't think I went that far out on a limb. I, I think people were looking out of the corner of their eye. Uh, put Rutgers on there, to be honest with you. But uh, Coach Shiano is a, a good friend, so I have confidence in him. I have confidence he's going to be able to do it again too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, spent some time with Shiano at uh, ESPN. Brilliant yeah. mind. Yeah. But tough, tough as nails. Brilliant mind as well. Talk about a you know detail oriented, disciplined yeah. guy. Like you know his you know. 
he 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 steps out of bed in the morning in a disciplined fashion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so walk us through this, I, and I want to get to where you are today. But walk us through your next steps in your professional career. Yeah. So, you know, the Big East was. I loved that job. I was there for twelve years. You know, conference realignment hit. Mm. You know, so the Big East changed, and it didn't have football anymore. So. Uh, a number of our schools went to other conferences and, and the, uh, the, Mer- the American Athletic Conference was born. So I actually worked for them for, for six months and it was just a different job. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking to, to make such a big change, but a, a, a search firm uh, reached out to me, a, a executive recruiter about this job at Under Armour. Not something I would have ever considered. And I told him no a couple of times, um, but I looked into it more, you know, and, and, you know, because, you know, because, my job had changed and, you know, the job at Under Armour was to sign um, major colleges to apparel contracts. So we did, you know, I signed, uh, me and my team, we signed Wisconsin and Cincinnati, uh, Cal Berkeley, UCLA. Mm. Uh, That was kind of fun. I mean, that was, that was a, that was a, you know, real, you talk about transitioning now a little further away from the game, you know, still kind of a sports business job, but it was a hundred percent marketing job. So I kind of evolved from an, internal operations guy at Syracuse and Notre Dame doing recruiting and, you know, uh, working with the, you know, everything on campus to, to the same thing at the Patriots. Big East was kind of half internal, half external. Now, now I'm at, uh, you know, one of the biggest apparel brands in the world, you know, helping market and, you know, drive the brand through, you know, outfitting college teams. Um, you know, definitely stepped out of my comfort zone. It was a, it was a learning experience. I can't say I, I, loved the job as much as I loved others because corporate America is very, very different. different. Um, not a lot of disciplined people, as we talked about, you know, a lot, a lot of people that think they know, they, they think they're athletes, but they don't really act like high level athletes. If you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so they, um, but, but, but I wouldn't change anything about it. You know, I learned a ton, you know, you know, you, you can say what you want about Under Armour and they're slipping a little bit, but in terms of, uh, building a brand yeah t-shirts out of his trunk and all of a sudden yeah. it's a world-renowned brand um there was a lot to learn from that so i think that you know uh, played a big part in shaping shaping who i am today i think you're a product of all your experiences you yeah. know good, good yeah. and bad and it, um did your experience, you know, being a commissioner, now you're working with athletic directors, I'm assuming, right? That's who your, your point of contact is to have to sign off on changing this in, at the individual schools. But did that help you being able to relate to them and say, hey, look, I've, I've been on your side. I actually worked with a lot of you uh, from the conference level. Did that help you as you were, you know, I say marketing or selling or, or whatever you yeah. want to call it? Yeah. Both of those, yeah. Um, it, it definitely did. You know, the, the reason I was attractive to Under Armour is I had those relationships to begin with. So, you know, most of the athletic directors I, I reached out to, I already had some type of relationship. And, um, and as you, as you said, it, there was a, there was a level of trust there already. So as I was telling them all the reasons why they should switch to Under Armour and what the arrangement would be and how, how it would work. Um, I think there was a level of comfort with me personally, uh, which was able to, you know, translate into us getting the deal done. Yeah, you know, one of the things you, 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 you know, just in your transition from one to the next, you probably had to have met so many people. And, and talk, tell us a little bit about networking. Just give us what your mm-hmm. thoughts are about your name, respect, and just overall networking across the board. Yeah, it, it is so important. Um, you know, people are, you know, companies, you know, institutions don't make things happen. People make things happen. Right. And it's all about the relationship you have with people, the impression you make on them. You know, I mean, you go back and networking doesn't have to be a formal thing. It's just the way you conduct yourself and people see you. You know, Coach Pasqualone used to tell us when I was a young GA, you know, that we're, we're, we're constantly being evaluated. Mm-hmm. So don't ever think you're, there's a moment that you're not being evaluated. Could be in casual settings, could be in a business setting, doesn't matter. And he's right. People look at you. I mean, he, he, take him as an example. I mean, I'm convinced that one of the reasons he hired me is at Syracuse, having having not played college football, was because I was a well-behaved five-year-old kid when he used to, you know, mm-hmm. when he first met me, you know, and that I went to an engineering school, so I must have, you know, something on the ball, you know, and he always liked me. So, you know, that that led to something. Um it, it, it's so important to network. And, and like I said, you, 
you make an impression on everybody. And it, you know, I look back on some of the people I worked for and worked with at a younger age that are now on at re, in really high level places. And sometimes you say to yourself, boy, I wish I was nicer to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> my, question, never, my question, my question is, if you're recruited as a five-year-old, is that, is that legal in the NCAA? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's <laughs> rules already. Pre-existing relationship. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Go. So, yeah, so you go, and, and I call it the private sector, but you go from, you know, the, the corporate world and you were there for quite a while and, and I'm sure had success, but then you made another transition. Talk us through that, that next step. So, Again, a little bit of product of circumstances as well as good luck. You know, Under Armour's been, you know, I think the retail apparel industry in general is struggling a little bit. You know, Under Armour kind of peaked and uh, they're trying to find their way again. So they they were looking to uh, shift gears a little bit for marketing. They weren't going to sign as many assets. And, and that's kind of what I did was was sign new assets. So um, the the role of executive director of the Football Bowl Association came, came open and you know, in hindsight, I was as interested in the job as they were in me. Um, a couple of the executive directors of some of the uh, playoff bowls, you know, reached out to me and made sure I was aware of the position, said, you got to apply, you're the guy. Um, you know, I think I was fortunate that I don't, I don't know how many people on earth are as uniquely qualified for the job as I am. I mean, the bowl mm-hmm. system is very specific, very, very unique. Um, you know, as I said earlier, when I was at the Big East, I negotiated all of our deals with bowl games. Um, I served on the NCAA um, bowl licensing committee um, for four years. And in that role, we had to certify every single bowl game in order for them to conduct them. So I, I knew all those guys, you know, and then, um, you know, when I was uh, even at Under Armour, I, would st- I did some smaller you know, sponsorship deals with some bowl games. So I kind of knew the bowl industry pretty well. And, um, which I think you kind of have to coming into this job because it's a very complicated system, right. uh, but it's a great, it's a great system. It's a great tradition. I, I love it. I think bowl games are one of the great traditions of American sports. They're, they're really- How many nasty emails do you get, man? I mean, associated with, I'm serious because anytime like Arizona state or my school, we're, we're so emotional. And that's what college football does to you. you it makes you emotional as far as, where my team? Why did my team get you know yeah. selected well, to this? Y'all are emotional because you're not used to going to bowl games. Well, we, so hey, look, okay, Fresno State. <laughs> Coach Edwards got Powerhouse. dumped with the uh, with the frosted flakes last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> frosted flakes bowl. <laughs> That's a bowl game. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it, there's got to be a, a negative aspect to to having to deal with the uh, the criticisms and all. How how do you put those past you? Fortunately, I haven't, I haven't gotten those kind of emails yet. I started the, the, the job in January, which isn't a, wasn't an ideal job in this time mm. to start any new job, but um, I actually welcome this, those emails this year because that means we're having full games. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I look at it as, as this. It's, it's uh, you know, football is a competitive game, right? The, the better the season you have, the, then you, you, you achieve a certain level of bowl game. But I love the fact that with 42 bowl games, you know, uh, slated to be held this year or next year, whenever we play, happen to play again. Um, there's a bowl game for everybody. You know, I mean, let's face it, guys. We, we have college football is a four-team playoff system. There's 130 FBS teams. What percentage of those 130 have any business thinking they will ever be in that four-team playoff? Mm, I mean, let's they don't. Like right. 12. Right. Right. <laughs> right. In, in, in the first six years of the playoff, there, there has not been much diversity in those four it's been a lot of the same teams over and over. So what do the other teams have to play for? You know, that is, that's college football's postseason. So you're, if you're in the mid American conference or the conference USA and you have a great season, you deserve to go to a bowl game and have a great experience and go to some unique destination that you may have never been before and, and, and try to get a win, you know, and, and as you guys know, winning bowl games kind of launches you into the next season. It gives you a lot. Yeah, of it does. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so you have the extra practice time. It's, it's, it's so important. And um, there's a reason the number of bowl games keep growing. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. the criticisms, you know, I, I happen to think you, you can never have too many college football games. You can never have too many bowl games. Absolutely. And we, the, the, that number keeps growing because uh, people want to put bowl games on and teams want to play in them. Yeah. 
Is there any collaboration that you have? And I, yeah, I guess now we can transition to the college football and, and yeah. current position, but is there any um, collaboration between you and college football playoff committee? Or are, are, are you guys like nemesis? Do you work hand in hand? Is that two separate entities? And how does that work with you guys? And, yeah. and it's two separate entities, but we're, we're, you know, tangled, if you yeah. will, you know, they, you know, Bill Hancock does a great job, you know, back when I was at the big East, you know, I worked with, with Bill on behalf of, you know, back then it was the BCS. Um, you know, Bill and I talk almost every week, you know, he, he borrows two of my bowl games each year and calls them semifinals. Yep. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously linked in that way. You know, the, the, championship game is not a call to bowl game but from a specific technical you know standpoint it is a bowl game by ncaa rules mm-hmm. um so you know we, we work very closely together and, and there's there's no uh competition there at all you know in fact it's it's quite the opposite that's awesome so as you're as you're looking at these how i know that certain bowl games have you know tie-ins to conferences has there ever been conversation as hey we're going to open this up um, I, I mean, what are the reasons for being designated? Okay. Hey, second place, pac 10, he goes here, so, you know, first place, uh, big 12, he goes there. I mean, what is the reasoning behind that? Is there any talk about adjusting that formula in the future? Yeah, I, I would love there to be more flexibility as, as the bull system evolves. And I, and I think there has, there is a little bit more now uh, than there was not too long ago. I mean, when the, when the, you know, the, the concept of these, the slotting and the contracts in advance first started, it was a pretty strict, I mean, if you had, if you had eight agreements, you know, your, your first place team went here, second, third, went right through eight, which you're seeing a lot of, a lot of conferences do, and the bowls are very willing participates, participants in this, is you'll see like a pool. So once you get past, you know, one or two bowl games, let's say the third through seventh game, if you will, I mean, what's the difference between some of them? right? They're, they're different destinations for sure, but the kind of the quality of, of the opponent is similar. You know, the, the, um, everything about it is similar. There's a little bit of a stigma of saying I went to the third game versus the seventh. Yeah. So they try to do away with that and they just pool those group of four or five teams and say, there's, there's a pool each year. Those bowls are going to come together with the conference and say, mm-hmm. what makes sense, right? In terms yeah. of geography, in terms of the opponent, is it a repeat opponent? Has, has a, has one of our teams been to your bowl game in the last year or two? So, so there, there's there's kind of a little bit more flexibility built in there than there has been in the past. But I'd like to see that you know continue and go a little further. Yeah, the reason I say that is just because it was Fresno. It was like, okay, we go to Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, we go to Silicon Valley Classic, uh, or you know maybe there's an at large like we got to go to the uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl uh, one year. But it was like, okay we play there anyways. Like it's, those are our conference opponents. Like I don't really care to go to Boise again. Yeah. And you know, so I, I, I like the idea of the flexibility freedom pool system. I, I've got a little bit of a hot take here. What? We've been pretty, we've been pretty cordial so far. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh here, here we go. Here we go. ACU is in the house. Well, yeah, yeah, ben, me, slipped out. ben slipped out earlier. <laughs> Just slip out of number two and step back in, ready to go. <laughs> let, let me caveat by saying this. I did not play on a Division One level where there were bowl games. So, it was a playoff system. So, you either made the playoffs or you didn't. Boo-hoo if you didn't, right? So, my question is this. And no disrespect to what you do. No disrespect to the bowl games. That's a or or the, the outback. Hey, no, hey, no, no question starts good <laughs> with no disrespect. disrespect. Yeah. Okay, then just disrespect That means you're, you're about to yeah. be disrespected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I say no disrespect, you can't be offended, right? Why should a 7-5 and five and a 6-6 six and six team deserve, quote-unquote, to go play in a playoff game? They didn't earn anything by that. Okay. That's a good question. I'm, I'm actually glad you asked me that. Yeah. Good question, boys. <laughs> you heard him. I actually think, you know, I think we need to start looking at the bowl system a little bit differently. You know, and the word deserving, you know, that's such a subjective word. Mm-hmm. You know, six and six the same in the, in the, in the SEC as it is in, in another conference. Um, you know, I like to look at the college football's postseason and the bowl system as kind of just being a celebration of college football. You know, you all get 132 teams entering the season. They all start in a different place. They all have different goals that are appropriate for who they are. And at the end of the season, they kind of, they, you know, they go to a destination that's, you know, indicative of the type of season they had. And, you know, who's to say that, 
you know, one record is successful and the other one is, is, is not as successful. You know, if you have a young team, if you're rebuilding, if you have a tough schedule, um, there's so many advantages to bowl games in terms of the extra weeks of practice, that experience, that exposure, playing young guys, going to parts of the country that they, you know, some of these kids have never been to mm-hmm. and watching it in the next season. I, I think we need to start looking at it as a celebration of college football and not so much who's deserving. And who's I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. I, I know. still disagree. No, man. No, I totally agree because, <laughs> look, I mean, look, it's subjective in, in the first place. And you're right. And how many times have you seen a 6-16 six and six team uh, play us, you know, seven to five team, and they're damn good games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're really good games. And, you know, you just enjoy the time. And, you know, for a college football player, man, for 99% of them, that's it. That yeah. experience means so much to, to some of these, these players. And that's the reason why, you yeah. know, there's so much. And this is one of the things I wanted to ask you before we got on to the college bowl season. What is it about college football? that has so much passion. Like, I, I'll tell you this. I can watch an NFL. NFL Sunday seems like it's structured. It's business. You turn on game day on Saturday morning, man. You got that band going. You got that band playing. You got the yes. student section. Yeah. What's been your experience of where the passion yeah. comes from? I mean, there's so many there's so many things you could point to. I think the root of it is it's, it's, it's kind of who you are. It's your identity. You went to school there. You're never, you can't change that even if you wanted to. It's like family, right? You can't change your you – know, you can't get a new brother. You know, or get rid of the one you have. If you don't like him, he's your brother, right? I mean, you went to Arizona State, good or bad. That you're not going to change your allegiances. You know, NFL, you might move into one town or move into another, and it's kind of casual fans. But I mean, I think that's the root of it. But then it's just everything else. It's the stuff we take for granted. It's the it's the mascots and the band and the colors and the tailgating and the alumni that come back that are you know. Hundred years old wearing plaid pants and it's all yeah. goofy stuff. Yeah, I think I think to that point, you know, NFL. I don't know what it's like to be a Dallas Cowboy. I don't know what it's like to be a Washington football team. It's the best thing. I it whatever sucks that you didn't because it to, was awesome. So to that, <laughs> sucks for so to that point, but I, but I can be an Auburn Tiger if I'm just a casual person. I, yeah. I have that that connection. That's why CrossFit's so big because you know what it's like. You may not be able to compete at that level that those pro guys are, mm-hmm. but you know what those workouts feel like. Same yeah. thing with college. Like you have, yeah, you have stake in the game. By a this squat is my, snatch before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my stake in the like. This is my team. This is what I grew up rooting for. This is the school I went to. So mm-hmm. to that point, I think that's why. And it's awesome. There's nothing like a Saturday in the fall, man. No, it's not. There, man, there's no. no way to rep, No NFL team can replicate no. as, as awesome as the NFL is. Yeah. You just can't replicate a Saturday in the fall in the SEC. The the pack, the pack what? Pack, I don't know. How many, how many are on the pack? How many are the over here, brother? Now? <laughs> hey, watch your mouth, fellas. It's a strong. It's a strong. Hey, can we? Can we? Uh, going back to the uh, going back to you know deserving team or not? You know, I'll give you two quick examples from last year's bowl season. You have a team like like Kent State, okay, playing the Mid American Conference. Very, you know, just like any group of student athletes, they're they're proud to be there, working their ass off, just everybody else. A little bit of history of that school. You know, some some great NFL players have gone, you know. Good coaches come from there. Went to school there. Some great coaches that have come through there. Mm. They they go to the Frisco Bowl this year. They beat Utah State. You know, might not think much of it. That was their the first bowl victory in the history of their school. Yeah. Oh. That shocked me, right? Yeah. Mm. And if you watch the way they reacted, and the president of the school commented on, on what it did to lift their entire campus community, I mean, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty powerful. Um, another example, kind of a kind of very different type of program. Ten- University of Tennessee won national championships. Peyton Manning went to school there. A little bit of turmoil recently. They started out the season two and six, right? If all there was was a playoff, they'd have folded up shop. What, what do you play for at two and six? Yeah. They had, I can't remember who it was, but they had a big upset in there. They won their last four games, got to the Gator Bowl. They brought 35,000 fans to the Gator Bowl. Wow. They drove. They were so excited to be in a bowl game. They had some hope for the first time. They played uh, Indiana from the Big Ten, who had a breakout year. They were 8-4. Uh, Tennessee wins the game. Launches them into next season. They go, they're, they're seven and six out of nowhere. That game was just so meaningful to them. Without that, you know, what would they have done? So 
I mean, those are there's there's tons of examples like that, and it's not it's not just about the the undefeated team or the four teams in the playoff because that that just would not serve you know, you know the appropriate number of college football teams. Yeah, so there's your answer, Ben. Yeah, I still so, don't agree, but yeah. okay. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, so, <laughs> so we're we're about to put you on the spot here to get some get some hot takes from your side on your perspective of. Uh, really, honestly, probably, I don't know of a job that you could have stepped into the time that you did that is more challenging than where you're at today. And, and the logistics that you're going to have to figure out, the uncertainty, the questions that you're going to have to answer. But with the COVID-19 pandemic and college football season really up in the air, a number of conferences have already announced that, okay, we're either not playing or delaying. Now, from your perspective, how do you plan? I mean, how do you, how do you continue to progress, raise sponsorships, um, you know, schedule venues? I mean, there's, there's so many logistics that you guys have to deal with. I mean, how do you move forward in, you know, the situation that we're in right now? It's, it's hard. It's really hard. And I think the, the one thing we still have going for us is the conferences who, who are uh, still committed to playing have, have told us that they, they expect there to be you know, bowl games at the end of the regular season. So they're, they're mm-hmm. very willing uh, participants. You know, we've, you know, we've been contemplating every, what we thought was every scenario the last few months, right? Playing the fall, bowl season starts a little early, starts a little late, but it shifts a little. That's easy. We contemplated the spring and our bowl games across the board were, were committed. If the regular season is in the spring, we'll have the bowl games in the spring. It's fine. What we didn't anticipate is that Six conferences are going to play in the fall and four yeah. are in the spring. So now you have bowl games that that have two opponents that are still playing in the fall, you know, con- contracted in their game. But then you have some bowl games that that ones in the spring, ones in the fall, and then you have some that are both in the spring. So that's that's kind of the the trick. And I don't have the answer for you today, but you know we're we're working on it. Um, you know, there's certainly a way that that you know all the bowl games can be played. Um, I think bowl eligibility is, is going to look very, very different this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so certain that that should even be a concept. You know, if you if you play college football in the fall this year, you know, you have the ability to go to a bowl game, period. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause, period. Because final records, it's going to be goofy anyways. I mean, what if one team's, you know, you know, three and four and another team's five and six and another team's five and five, you know, and the five and six team lost their last game. Had they, had they had that canceled, they'd have been five and five. Like, I don't know how you, how you draw, where you draw the line. And I don't know that you should. Yeah. So how do you justify playing in the spring? I mean, how does that work? Especially if you, let's say you're Justin Fields, you're at Ohio state, you're a top five pick, presumably coming up in the draft. Do you even play in the spring knowing that the, the NFL draft is right around the corner? Yeah, that's a good question. You, you, you know, I'd love to hear your answer to that, Darren. Like, what would you have done as a student athlete, per- personally? And this isn't Nick, the the FBA executive director. This is Nick, the you know, college football fan with a little bit of knowledge. I, I, I don't, I don't think they play in the spring. That's just my. I don't think that ever happens. I you don't think anybody plays in the spring. I don't think prospects <laughs> like high, high prospects like. I, I just don't see the conference being able to pull it off. You know, for for you know for a number of reasons. One of them is the one you just said. I mean, all the all the guys that are. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. You're saying that they don't play at all. No one plays. In he spring. doesn't think nobody plays in the spring. I don't think so. Wow. I don't think the games happen. That is okay. So, yeah, that's, so my, that's just question. my personal uh, opinion of what I think is going to happen. Right. So, do you think these players will be awarded an additional year of eligibility? I do. Yeah, so, yeah. what if? So, let's say half half of the NCAA like FBS programs play; the other half do not. Is it just the kids that do play that get an extra year, el- or that that don't play get an extra year eligibility, or is it everybody altogether? Because there's an argument to be made that hey, I didn't have the opportunity; we didn't have enough uh, long enough schedule to show my skills to to get recruited. Like these seniors, these you know that are, I mean, think about okay, think about Cam Newton. Had Cam Newton not had a senior year, there'd be no Cam Newton. Joe right? Burrow, yeah. just, Joe Burrow, yeah, just had Joe Burrow. He was yeah. like a six-round pick until last year. So, so if you don't have a full schedule, full bowl season, I mean, there's an argument to be made that your future earnings could be hindered and you should be allowed another year. I mean, what's yeah. your take? I think, I think you could make that argument. But my, my, my gut tells me that if there is, you know, a regular season of any length, that'll count as their senior year. You okay. know, and I would do two examples. 
I think eight games in, we probably would know Cam Newton and Joe Burrow were pretty good. That's a, that's a good point. Correct. Served okay. So I, I think it's going to be an all or nothing. If you have a season, you know, that's your, that's your year of eligibility. If, if you're not able to have one because your conference didn't play, then, then you get it back. So what about the idea, though, because say there's a, a 22-year-old kid, you know, that, that could be drafted at 22, turn 23. Now he's 23 turning 24 in the NFL. NFL teams look at that differently. I mean, your clock starts ticking at 18 years old, right, as a, as a football player. I mean, there's different value put on that. And if you just elongate that out, you know, I, I mean, granted, I was a guy that was a 26-year-old rookie, so I, I have no room to speak. <laughs> But, I mean, I'd have played for 27 years if I right. started when I was right. <laughs> But But, I mean, there, there's, there's more to the equation than just, hey, we're going to give you an extra year of eligibility. Yeah, there, there's so much to the equation. It's what it does to the rosters, what it does to incoming freshmen. Scholarships, yeah. you know, do you honor scholarships? Yeah, you and the rosters. Otherwise, there's no room for new freshmen. Right. You know, I, you know I'm going through that, you know, different, different sport. My son's uh, about to be a senior in high school. He's a pretty good pitcher. Um, really wants to play in college, but you know, baseball season's already got wiped out last year. So yeah. those, those seasons are about to come back, and it might be happening again this year. So there, you know, there's not too many opportunities for incoming freshmen in, in, in most schools, just because the rosters are full. So I, I may have to send them to prep school. I, I haven't figured that out yet, but it's yeah. So that that and that's, that's problem. We, we're talking we're we're talking specific college football, but just think about all the sports in the spring. Yeah, that are going to be totally affected by this it, if they do play college. And you're saying they probably won't play college football in the Pac-12, Big and Big Ten. But at the same time, if they do, you're impacting baseball. You're impacting you know track, whatever it may be that that are spring sports. You know how do they overcome that? It's hard. That's why I. So I think there's so many things working against college football in the spring. You know, from from football players opting not to play to the overlap of the seasons. I mean, you you know, can the campuses handle staging, you know, fall events and spring events at the same time? Um, I don't know. I just and, and and will will the money even be there to make it worthwhile? Yeah. Right. Um, so do you think is there is there any way that this we go back on this? The Big Ten goes back on this Pac-12, or is the decision made and it's final? Because you're seeing players like Justin Fields at at Ohio State, who's has a petition out right now. Do you see how many people have signed that? How many? Two hundred and sixty thousand people have signed uh, it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, did you just I, make that number up? No, you just saw it today. I don't know. I don't know if they can go back. So Michael, my big question is: Are these teams that aren't playing in the fall are they still working out? Are they still at school and doing the whole? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't get that part. Of <laughs> I'm with you. I, I you know, but look, I, I used to be on the conference side. And those are some tough decisions. So I'm not gonna sure. Yeah. You know, you know, the guys who elected the player, the guys who didn't, you know, it's, there's no right or wrong, but, um, but that's a good point you make. I have, I have trouble wrestling with that, you know. Yeah. Cause if I'm still having to be at school and work out, how is my chances of getting it any less than if I actually just played on Saturdays? Why not have the opportunity if you, if you're at the Pac-12 or the Big Ten to say, Hey, I want to play and I want to go to another I yeah, mean, what are we? What, well, I, and I'm not clear on this, and this is me being uneducated. But what are the transfer rules if your if your school is canceled the season? So I I do believe they would have to go uh, and say would have to provide a waiver. Okay. Uh, I, you know that's the type of situation where the NCAA is, is usually pretty good about granting those waivers because if if a kid can't play one place and he can another, how how do you deny that? Um, I, I don't think we've seen the mass exodus that you might think just because the, you know, the rosters are pretty full at those other schools. They're not going to take in some new kids. and kick somebody yeah, That would be right. so yeah, late be in hard. the process. Yeah. For sure. oh, yeah there's no way. Yeah. So you're talking about, you don't, you don't, and this is your opinion. I get it. You don't think there'll be that the spring ball will work. What about fall? Do you think they're going to be able to finish this season? Um, I, I think, Again, I don't. I'm not. I don't have a crystal ball, but I think those conferences that are still hanging in there, I think they're committed to playing in the fall, and I think we're going to we'll see the season start. Yeah. I do. Hmm. Whether whether it gets interrupted or it finishes, you know, obviously, I think the virus will dictate that. But I think we're going to see some games in the fall. Yeah, oh, man. I mean, 
This is tough. I, there's so many questions, you know and 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 I want to be I want to be very respectful <laughs> that, of the position that you're right. in, right? And and we've asked some we've asked some pretty pretty well, alive. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're dancing. Hey, we're, we're dancing. transparent well, over here. We're, we're trying to go yeah. viral here. What yeah. are you? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, with, how do you see? Do you see football being affected? You know, I think like culturally there's going to be a change, right? Like they're talking about masks potentially for the next three years. And you know, I think, I think we're going to have a whole lot more germaphobes on the other side of this. And um, I, I personally, I think that we're going to come out better on the other side. I think we're going to be more respectful of other people. We're going to be more conscientious, more, you know, empathetic. There's a lot of things I think that this taught us. I think as a culture, we can slow down and, and not just be at this like rat race all the time. And, and like you said, you can work from anywhere. I mean, flip that camera around one more time for us so we can see that view That's for it. everybody. To see. Yeah. 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 So if you guys have been listening, you know, depriving you, it may sound oh, like nice. bad. It may sound like bad connection. No, it's a great connection. Great connection to the world over there and the ocean <laughs> behind him. Uh, but when we're done. That's right. That's right. Rub it in, Nick. So, so how do you see though football, college football, being affected? Do you see us, you know, in years to come, not being able to fill stadiums all the way to capacity? Do you feel like just that culture is going to be affected until this thing really, really settles down? Um, I think you're right that we may be better off in some ways. I think people will be more respectful. Uh, but I, I, I think as soon as we're able to fill stadiums, stadiums are going to get full. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talk about it. Yeah. There's too yeah. much passion, especially yeah. at, you know, certain schools. I mean, you go, you think, you think LSU fans are not going to fill that stadium. Oh, they're oh, coming. Yeah, absolutely. They would do it, I think they would do it today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would. Is that a Louisiana joke? No, I'm just saying that it's a conspiracy <laughs> down there. <laughs> you know, this is going to be uh, – look, and I know we're, we're laughing and joking about this, but there – there's going to be so many kids that are truly affected yeah. in every sport coming up. And I, and, I, and I know I understand, you know, where the, you know, where politically there's, you know, there's some issues. And I think a lot of this is political in some, in some fashion or another. But at the same time, we're talking about choice. And there's some kids who are sitting in a position right now, whether it be good or bad, whether it be in the ACC and the SEC, and maybe they don't want to play because they're afraid. And then you have other kids in Pac-12 or in the Big Ten that absolutely want to play. I mean, there's so many kids that are going to be affected going through this process because a lot of these guys, and I think, Ben, you said it earlier, or maybe it was you, Tyler. But Probably me. Joe Burrow is – I mean, there are certain players right now that are counting – or have the expectation of going to the next level. Mm-hmm. And without this season or with, with this burden of COVID in place right now, some of those dreams are not going to be had. Yep. And, and what are the options? Everybody has different dreams. Those people who dream to be in the NFL, you know, you, 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 you mentioned it, but 98% of Division One football players do not make it to the NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. Think about the seniors who – love playing football they've played their whole life right and they've aspired to play at the highest level they've aspired to go to bowl games this is their last chance it, man. last oh. game you know think about it. what would you guys do to go back in time and suit it up one more time you know you don't get that back yeah i don't and i don't really think ben can feel that because at acu they never smelt a bowl game or thought about <laughs> playing past december what First, maybe November. November. <laughs> then they're playing past Thanksgiving. I <laughs> don't know, but you're right. That's the reason why we why we're so passionate about college football is is that there's so much. I mean, every every time you, you turn the corner in that in the, in in the NF, in the college football, there's always something else, and there's so much passion behind it at the same time. And again, my heart just goes out to all yeah. those. Uh, including yourself, Matt, Nick. I mean, I know there's some tough decisions you guys are, are going to have to make uh, going forward. But, man, I, I just, you know, give us something. Give us something that we can, that, that's positive that may be coming out of this. Something that, well, here's all I could say. We, I, th- I think the four of us talking here, we, we, we realize how important college football is to this country and how much passion there is. If there's anybody who, who doubts that, just wait till it's back in full force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People, and people missed it, you know, for a year. And they, they're, um, they're, they're, there's going to be so much interest and so much desire to go to games. Mm-hmm. You ask them if they're going to fill the stadiums. They're, they're going to fill the stadiums. Um, 
TV ratings, I think are going to be off the charts, you know? So I think the positive is, you know, we, we know this isn't going to last forever. We know we're going to get through it, but when we do college football is going to be stronger than it's ever been. All right. So I've got a question. Give us your top three. And I know you're new in this role, but you've been around and, and, and you've experienced it. Give us your top three bowls outside of the BCS bowls. So how, how can I, you're asking me to pick like my favorite. That's your rock. favorite kid. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, do it. Guns to your head. You got, you got to, to save all of them. All right. I, I can, I can, I can do this with, with a. Let's, let's say categories. Let's, let, let, let's modify it. Categories. Favorite location, favorite atmosphere, and favorite. Matchup. Name. Uh, <laughs> favorite, favorite sponsor. <laughs> Well, let's start with, so in, in no particular order, you said to mention three. Yeah. Uh, the Pinstripe Bowl is a special place in my heart. I love New York City. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I helped uh, start that game. That was, that was my idea. Uh, oh, Nick. Okay. Well, let's, stop that, right there for, let's stop right there Wait for a just a second. Yeah. Where does the thought of playing in a baseball stadium come from, and how logistically does that work? Talk to All us right. about how you started. So, so running Big East football, you know, now you, you got to think about the, the, the business of bowl games here, right? Northern teams – or typically the traditionally been the visitors in bowl games. So from an economic standpoint, Big East teams used to get a little bit slighted because our fan bases had a lot further to travel to get there. So it was a lot easier to pick a Southern team to play in a Southern location. So, you know, New York being what it is and Christmas time in New York city is kind of magical and make movies about it. I said, you know what, we, we, we need to have a home bowl game for ourselves. And uh, when they built the new Yankee Stadium, I said, you know, there's a little cachet to it. People grow up wanting to play in Yankee Stadium. I pitched it to the Yankees, and they liked the idea. And last year it was its 10th year uh, anniversary. And they have a pretty good matchup every year, Big Ten, uh, ACC. So I'm, I'm proud of that game. And growing up a Yankee fan, they, uh, they're, they're pleased with uh, what we did. So they treat me pretty well when I bring my sons to games in the summer. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll say I'm a huge baseball fan, and that's really, really cool. To see a football game played, no, I got, played in that stadium. I, I, I've got a little criticism, though. I got I to say this about that game. I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, SC played in the pinstripe game. Am I right? Who did? USC. Uh, USC. Did no, they play know. in New York? Was it in New York City? Yeah, it was in the Yankee Stadium, right? No, USC never played there. Oh. They haven't played there. I thought it was. Are you sure, Nick? Don't call <laughs> me. He Jared, started the game. <laughs> <laughs> he started the bowl. I think he's sure. Well, I saw someone play. <laughs> like Darren. New York. Hey, Darren, don't you have a son named Michael? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I'm, no, I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> All right, well, Nick, maybe I was wrong. I, I remember play, seeing watching SC play a cold weather game, and, and they shut it. Down. Was it Notre, <laughs> Dame? Was it Notre Dame? Maybe. Maybe. Now, you might be thinking of Miami. Yeah. Miami played Wisconsin up Miami there. Miami played they, Wisconsin. They, they yeah. Down. Yeah. They did shut it down. They got the wrong. Argue, you can argue that Miami shut it down long before that game. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe so yeah. So that. So that. You know. That one kind of stands out. Um, the uh, the Fiesta Bowl has a special place for me. That was the that was the first bowl game I, I went to. Uh, and it was when I was uh, GA at Syracuse, and we you know we beat Colorado. Uh, twenty-two twenty. Mm. Uh, so that was that was very uh, had a big uh, impact on the rest of my career. Actually, and then to pick a third, be hard to single one out. You know, it's it's easy to pick the Rose Bowl in terms of atmosphere. I mean, I was uh, gonna say, yeah, yeah, you can't forget that. Yeah, that was the first bowl game ever. I mean, that's you know, and uh, you walk into that building, and you, that's one of those buildings you feel it. Yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, I agree. So I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Okay, those are those are three good choices. Yeah. What was Darren? What was your favorite? Oh, yeah. What was your favorite bowl game that you played? My favorite. Did you all play in any uh, Arizona State? Uh, no, I played in in uh, the Rose Bowl and for the Super Bowl. Seriously, did y'all play bowl? No, we 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 were. You never made a bowl game. I can tell you this. If if it was like it was like it is today, or you would have went to a bowl game. We were six and six. Yeah, we would have yeah. probably went to a bowl game back then. So, but we didn't. And we, we our you never played in a bowl game. I never played Man. in a college. Tyler, football did you ever play in a bowl game? Was, I played in four or five years. I played in bowl games, and we four or five we, years. Four of my five years, we played in bowl games. 
what's the coolest gift you got? Don't, don't they, don't you guys get a lot of free stuff for those? Yeah. Things? So, so again, we were the NPC computer bowl, Silicon Valley classic. They were, they were not top Radio. echelon. The what? The what bowl? Silicon Valley classic. <laughs> okay. At, that was at uh, really? San Jose state. Yep. Massive yep. matchup. Yep. 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 And, and it turned into the Emerald almond bowl, right? Wasn't that what that was yep. afterwards? Yeah. Emerald, um, Emerald Walnuts. Yeah. Emerald, yeah. Nice. Emerald Walnuts. Uh, and so we went, uh, best gift I got was a parka and a CD player, probably. A CD, CD player. player. Parka? Wow. Like a jacket, a parka. That was the best gift you got? Oh, yeah. We didn't, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't that awesome. I guess that's what happens when you play in the CBD bowl. <laughs> CD player was pretty good though back then. Yeah, it was. It was. Back back then. Then. And it might have actually. It might have been. I take it. It might have been an MP3 player. I don't think. I don't, it might have been a combo a CD, CD slash MP3 player. What What are those guys getting to play like in the big time, like the Fiesta Bowl? What are those? What kind of gifts are those guys? Yeah, million dollars. There's, there's a dollar limit. They, 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 Totality of the gifts can't be more than five hundred dollars, but yeah. uh, you know some bowls get a little creative. They get they get deals, and there's whole, wholesale pricing versus retail pricing. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't it's up to the limit. I mean, it's you know they're all different. A lot of them, a lot of them have gone to this uh, gift suite concept. So there's there's a number of items you can choose from, and and they all have a value, and you just you know get as much as you want that adds up to five hundred. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. player guy, guys seem to like that. Yeah, and then the extras are just left out and door unlocks later that night. So <laughs> I had a buddy that played at uh, New Mexico state. Uh, and if y'all ever been to Las Cruces, it's like, yeah, I played there. I played there oh, three years, so. but, but he got to go to the Hawaii bowl. Yes. How yeah. awesome is that from mm. New Mexico state? Yeah. <laughs> when did they ever have a winning schedule? How many guys on that roster would ever have the ability to go to Hawaii? Oh, Never. Seriously? Yeah. Never. No, it's, exactly. It's, this was, this had to have been 2006 or seven, something like that. This was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. 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 Uh, really? Yeah, something like we that. We played it. So they were in our conference, and, and okay. they were they were always These two will be a reminiscent. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a reminiscent on you, Nick. Uh, well, hey, Nick. Do you, do you regret not going to bowl games? Man, it is one of the biggest regrets I've ever had. And, and I always, you know, attribute it by saying, well, if we were playing today, we would be six or six, and we would have definitely been in a bowl game somewhere. somewhere. But it was always something that, that lived in the back of my mind. I mean, we were at one point at Arizona State, we were five and three and needed to win two more games. And to be bowl, a bowl game eligible, and we <laughs> did not. We lost <laughs> to Oregon State. We lost to some bad teams uh, and didn't get there. But it was, yeah, it was one of my biggest – regrets of you know my college career because it's there were memories that I didn't get to experience mm-hmm. I just didn't and those are the memories when you're you know 18 19 20 years old those memories last for a lifetime yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, sure. no I never got there I'll tell you one of the biggest benefits of playing in a bowl game was you got to you didn't have to go to school during practice when you had winter break when you had break and you got to practice on just a regular schedule and you didn't have to go to classes and study like for you tests. Class and, well, Fresno Dude, State? You didn't have to go. Come on. Hey, Nick, do they go to school I at Fresno State? They actually have class at Fresno State. <laughs> I, I can't say we're out, we're out. Hey, we're out tilling the fields, bro. We, we had time for classrooms. <laughs> Hey, but uh, Nick, we really appreciate the time that uh, and insight really that you've yeah. gotten, uh, you, you gave us today. And uh, we, we really wish you the luck and, and we hope that you have a busy year planning bowl games because I know our country will be a better place uh, if bowl games are played Agreed, because that means the, the college football season will happen. Uh, we'd like to finish this off with, with, uh, with a question and, and Ben's going to close us out with it. But Again, we wish you all the luck. We appreciate the time today, and uh, we know that uh, you're going to be doing big things with the Bulls. Yes, man. Thanks, yeah. I appreciate it. It was a lot, a lot of fun chatting with you guys. Before you know, Ben asked me this last tough question here. <laughs> really, really, just before Ben came back, it was a good conversation. <laughs> Actually, I'm hoping we run out of time. If I yeah, ah, break it up. Uh, the ocean's I'll, too loud. I can't hear you. I won't no, bust your balls yeah, anymore. Once, about once we start playing football again and we do have bowl games, you know, hopefully uh, the, the four of us can all be at the same one. That'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah love that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Bring, bring one of those. Uh, what, what, Tyler? Bring one of those parkas for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take it to the pinstripe bowl we'll need it there oh yeah go. that's oh, right yeah. so was an sc there no. can i ask no, the question no no it wasn't there <laughs> they were not so going back to your journey real quick this is the question we like to ask all of our guests if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing where do you go and what do you tell yourself 
I tell myself to be patient and trust the process. Sounds a little cliche now, but um, you know, all those jobs I had, there was a while there. I was wondering if they ever, if they made any sense because there was a little bit of jumping around, but, but they all one built upon the next. And I couldn't have been as successful in any one of those jobs had I not had the previous experiences. And every job I had was, as I look back at, at it now was a, was a natural progression. I think we all, we all want to do things a little bit too fast. We all want, you know, we're, you know, kind of get rich quick kind of a mindset, but um, if you work really hard, you do the right things and you be patient, uh, good things will happen. You know, I, well said. I love that answer. And, and I wish it, you said it's kind of a cliche. I wish we didn't just let words fall out of our face without even thinking that is so profound. If you just stop and think about it, trust the process. Yep. And it's just, you know, it's three words. It's not, it's not a big phrase, but it's so important to sit there and appreciate where you are, appreciate the work and know that what, what you're working for. So I love that you said that. I agree with that. And I, and I, and I try to teach that to my kids. It's, you know, I mean, time goes by quick, you know, yeah, I mean, it does. trust the process and enjoy the process. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, I think so many people are so focused on their goal and that's fine, but you know, you, you have to, you have to enjoy getting there mm-hmm. because Sometimes people have these goals and once they get there, they're like, yeah, it's really, really not that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this yeah. before. It's like, is this it? Is this what I was yeah, what I've been working for? This whole time? Along the way. And, uh, yeah. You got to trust the process and enjoy the process and, uh, and you'll have a happy life. Yeah. Well, Hey Nick, I know you got to use that experience with your son. I know your son's going off to college uh, for baseball and all, man. So I'm sure that conversation is, has been had, man, but we really appreciate your time. And thanks again. And we'll be talking to you about the bowl game series yes. as, as a, as a, as a month go by. Thank, okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate thanks, it. Have a good one, Nick.